You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. This is the Locked On Hornets podcast presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. And you can check us out on Twitter. I myself am on Twitter at Walker Mail. Nada is on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. Same with Doug at Doug Branson LOH. And you can find the show handle on most social media platforms at Locked On Hornets. Well, Nick Batum heard us last night. Hornets Twitter had spent the first half of the week bashing the play of Nick Batum after his 14 minutes against New Orleans, and he comes out very aggressive against Minnesota. First two plays of the game, defensive possession, the first one for the Hornets, boxes out pretty hard, No, nothing too special about it, but gets the rebound, comes down on the other end of the floor, an aggressive drive on the left side of the basket. Doesn't get the layup to go, but you could tell immediately, right then and there, we know there's a message. Borrego talked to Nick Batum, and Nick Batum received that message that Nick needs to be way more aggressive. And we've had this discussion. We've had it a lot this week about what makes the best Nick Batum for this team. How valuable he is. Is he worth the contract? We all know the answer that he's not. How much do we want to talk about that? We, we've had a lot of discussion about Nick Batum, but he did play better last night. 7 of 17, not the greatest field goal efficiency, but you, you take that from Nick Batum. Contributed in all aspects of the box score again. And zero turnovers, which is honestly the most surprising thing he did last night. With eight assists, seven rebounds, the 18 points, but the zero turnovers, I think that's what stands out almost as much as anything to me because he is so turnover prone. We mentioned the stats from cleaning the glass just the other day that it's not like he's turning the ball over at a higher volume as the entire course of a game goes, but they are timely turnovers. Cleaning the glass, again, it eradicates all of the stats in garbage time, 20-point games at the end of the last two minutes. So it gets rid of all those, and you look at just what he's done in between the meat of the games, the most important times, he's had some really bad turnovers in crucial moments. And Nick Batum, no turnovers in this one, on top of eight assists. So he was an integral part of the offense. It was a concerted effort to get him a part of the offense. And here's head coach James Borrego on what Nick was able to provide last night. The aggressiveness was there tonight. I think he was you know, trying to attack the rim, look for his shot. Uh, we were running some sets for him, and he was just more aggressive tonight. That's the biggest thing. He had a, uh, a very aggressive mentality. So there you go. I mean, we could easily see that all of that came to fruition from Nick. Whatever that message was from Borrego, we knew that there was obviously a conversation that was had between head coach and player. And Borrego also discussing Nick and the way that he needs to step up for this team. He's the one guy right now that can really change our group. You know, the... If he can take another step and, and play at this speed and this aggression with this aggression, it changes our team. You know, it's another guy out there that they have to worry about. I think Lamb's playing very well. I think if Nick picks up his aggressiveness, Kemba's there, Cody's playing well. Um, I think there's a, you know, I like what I see. So we just got to be more consistent. That's a very good team we played against tonight. We're up 15 points. And you just got to stay with it. You know, as I said earlier, our margin of error is so small. We just got to stay with it. You have one bad quarter. It can cost you against a team like this. And it did tonight. Yeah, on top of him 
giving some praise to Nick Batum. He also said something interesting in his post-game press conference, or his post-games interviews, I should say, the time he was available for questions. He said that they don't have any margin for error and that they need to be perfect to win basketball games. Seems pretty high standards. Seems pretty tough to be perfect every single night, and I don't know if the Hornets can do anything close to that, but the, the thing is here, when Nick Batum steps up, He's a guy that actually plays pretty well against Minnesota. You just can't have everything click at once. And then that's when you have the inefficient night for Kimball Walker. And Kimball Walker has had a little slump ever since he scored 60 points in 43. That 43 coming in a victory against the Boston Celtics at home. And ever since then, it's been struggle city for Kimba. And he's had one game since then where he scored 25 points or more. But you've seen him below the 20s a few times. Kimba's doing that thing where he tries to drive to the basket and he gets blocked. You know, there's a couple times where he's finished well at the rim. And even in the first quarter, first quarter he had 11 against Minnesota. But there are times where he's looking to go to the basket to get fouled and not necessarily looking for the bucket to drop. And there are times where he tries to get there. I mean, Minnesota had 11 blocks last night. Kimba Walker being a big part of that trying to find his way to get to the bucket and see if it'll go or just see if he gets hacked and then he'll complain to the ref and look, he's a star now. I mean, these are what the stars do. The stars all complain and that's fine. I'm not even here to complain about Kimba complaining. I'm not here for that. I'm just, it, there is a criticism to be had here. Like Kimba is starting to drive to the basket a little too much for my liking. And he's 6'1". He does such a good job of finishing at times, but then there are other times where it's just not falling for him, and you've seen him go to the basket a lot in clutch situations this year, and it just not work out for him. And it's really tough because usually when your shot isn't falling all that well from deep, then you have to go to the basket and maybe make it a little bit easier on you. But that's the problem with being 6-1 in this league. That is a problem for those smaller guys who just aren't hitting from outside as well. Again, one of five from three-point land last night for Kimball Walker. And then you look at the game log. You look at what he's done in the past few games. Six of 16 against Minnesota. Five of 16 against New Orleans. Nine of 17 against Utah. So that actually was a good performance from him. But six of 19 against Atlanta. Three of 12 against Milwaukee. 7 of 23 against Atlanta again, 10 of 23 against OKC, 5 of 10 against Indiana, and not good numbers for Kimba. And Kimba's been struggling ever since those two monster games that put him on notice. And here's the problem I have. Here's the thing I'm worried about, I should say. I'm worried that the national media is going to take notice of this and then bring back down their respect level of Kimba. Because even an article in the New York Times today dropped about how fantastic Kimba is playing, that he is an emerging superstar. And we all agree with it. If you're listening to this podcast, if you're any kind of Hornets fan, you respect the job that Kimba Walker has done, and still we understand how important he is to this team. I mean, he looks gassed out there. There's no doubt about it. We all know that Kimba needs help, and Jeremy Lamb has been providing that a little bit. Not the most efficient night from him again, but still, I mean, Jeremy Lamb has been a consistent second scoring option here the last few games. So I, I like what Jeremy Lamb has given you, but Kimba is gassed, and we all know how much of a superstar he is. But I don't want the national media to look at that and think, oh, there you go. We were right about Kimba. This is just that 
crazy spark at the beginning of the season for Kimba, he's not really an all-NBA player. I mean, I, I just hope that the national media isn't looking away right now. Like, don't look over here right now. Remember the Celtics game. Remember the 76ers game. Remember all of that. You can still vote Kimba as an all-NBA player. Now, Kimba can salvage this with an excellent performance against Denver because that'll get all the highlights, and then we'll discuss, yeah, Kimba's doing such a great job this season and be true about it. But now you've gone about, what, seven games? Ever since that Boston game, it's been about seven that he struggled in every single one for the most part. He did, again, 21 points on 50% shooting against Utah, and you're looking at that 25-point game that he had at OKC, but again, that was only 44% from the field, which is fine. But you haven't seen many. Thanks again for joining us here on the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's show is sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. It is perfect for any friend or family on your holiday gift list. Great for anyone who works outdoors, skiers, snowboarders, or anybody that hates being cold. Action Heat apparel includes heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns. Make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. Action Heat is the perfect solution to keep you toasty and warm, even in the most frigid winter weather. They have heated clothes for every budget, starting at just $40. We've got a special deal for our listeners to save 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. We'll be back with more recap on the Minnesota Timberwolves and maybe some more James Borrego sound. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. So wait a minute. Do we value players that forget plays all of a sudden? I thought we were <laughs> we loved LeBron James because he remembered he could cite to you every single play from every game he's ever played in. Now all of a sudden, we like players who have no idea what happened on the previous play. I don't think you want him to play scared, right? It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We're coming to you from the Essex Home Studios at 7.30 the game ESPN Charlotte. But a quick shout out to the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do. And that's make more sales. Got a Twitter question from Andrew Jones about a day ago. He said, Walker, do you still see the Hornets as the sixth seed to finish the season? I think Detroit might be for real. Yeah, Andrew, you, me and you both, man. I apologize for throwing that out there. I got excited. I'm sorry. I felt good about the Hornets. I felt excited. I thought the sixth seed was going to be good. And then Nada tried to tell me not to be excited. You have to take what Nada says with a grain of salt because he's flippity flip master, but maybe he was right on that one. He said that I'm going to be wrong about that. Detroit does look good. They're fourth in the Eastern Conference standings right now. I don't think you can write the Hornets out of a legitimate possibility to get the sixth seed, but I certainly don't think they're going to get the sixth seed right now. 
three-game losing streak. Detroit has looked a lot better. They had a roller coaster season in this first quarter of the year. They got off to a very good start. Then they started to reel a little bit. And in that reeling, the Charlotte Hornets were able to get a victory off of them. But now they've done a very good job. I think maybe even lost a couple straight, but Detroit has looked very good ever since they went on that little slump where they lost a few games in a row. So yeah, I I think right now you would have to go with Detroit as a better team than the Charlotte Hornets, certainly as it currently stands. Still, Charlotte has a good shot at one of those seven or that eight spot. The problem is, is now the Wizards are kind of a little bit closer in that rearview mirror. Miami, they still have Eric Spolstra, so you have to give credit to Eric Spolstra and what he's done. He maximizes the talent that he gets from that roster. I mean, I, you guys heard me at the beginning of the year that Miami scares me all because of what they have in a head coach. And I thought the Wizards were just going to be able to out-talent everybody else. And now it looks like that might be a possibility here again. Now, I, you can't you can't throw out the possibility of the Wizards trading somebody. I mean, that still is a very real thing. It looks like it's going to be a lot. Remember Zach Lode reported that Beal is essentially untradeable because of the monstrous package that the Wizards are asking for in return. We'll see if anybody goes after that crazy contract that John Wall signed. And Otto Porter has a massive contract as well. So we'll see. I mean, it's going to be tough for those guys to get traded. It's not like they're the best assets in the world. Bradley Beal is pretty pretty valuable compared to what he's getting paid. He gives you the value of his contract, I would imagine. But it's going to be tough to move off of him. Still, still, there's a legitimate shot. And with that team hating each other so much, with them having so many problems within that locker room, chemistry-wise, I could see them getting traded. But there's just too much talent. And now they're starting to come back into the picture here. It goes back to that Clippers game where the Clippers had them down, I believe, 20 points, I think, in the first half, like close to halftime, maybe even early in the second half. But then the Wizards, they battle back. They find a way to win. That was fresh off of the rumors that they were willing to deal anybody. And they've done pretty well since then. I believe they've won six of their last nine games. So now the Wizards are somewhat in the picture. I mean, they're just a half game back of the Charlotte Hornets right now. Hornets are only a half game back of being in the ninth seed. So certainly need to get it together against the Denver Nuggets. And going back to some things that James Borrego had to say last night about that Timberwolves game, James Borrego mentioning that we are going to stick with the positives, that there was a lot of good basketball played. That's the thing. The Hornets can drive you crazy because they played good basketball through the first three quarters. They had a lead in the fourth early on. Then Carl Anthony Towns happened. Robert Covington hit some shots. What a fantastic defensive player Robert Covington is. I mean, unbelievable. There were some times early on in that game where I thought, man, Kimba hit a really tough shot on Rocco. Malik Monk had him on skates, but still was able to make that a contested shot along with some help side coming from the Timberwolves. But you saw in that second half, I mean, Nick Batum tried to ISO Rocco and it just wasn't going to go down. Nick Batum had to kick back out of it. Covington. One of the best defenders in all the league and might be the favorite for the defensive player of the year. Certainly with the way that he's changed that team's defensive rating ever since that trade from sending Butler to Philadelphia. And Dario Sarge hit a couple of threes last night. Like I never was a huge Dario Sarge guy, but he's doing well in Minnesota right now. He's hitting a couple, he had a couple threes against the Hornets. And Robert Covington was amazing. But you look at the positives for the Hornets, I mean three quarters. 
like three quarters and maybe some change where the Hornets actually played well, and then the fourth quarter happened, and it all went to you-know-what. It was awful. But James Borrego said after the game that he is going to take away some positives. I'm, I'm going to continue to look at the positives. I think there's some stuff that we got to hold on to and grow from, you know, so I think we got to build on that. But um, as you get into a fourth quarter against a very good team, you know, uh, the pressure picks up, the shots are much more difficult. Um, you know, they're much more aggressive to the rim. So we got to just stay aggressive there in the fourth quarter. You know, even even as the as the you know the lead went from two to three to four to five, we just got to stay with it. So that's three straight losses to good but not fantastic Western Conference teams. The team drops to 17th on defense, cleaning the glass, has them in the bottom five in three-point and rim shooting frequency. So they're bottom five in transition frequency. They're allowing transition opportunities and below average at stopping them. And it doesn't get any easier for the Hornets. As they come back to Charlotte to face one of the teams separating themselves out in the Western Conference, Denver is good. And we all knew that Denver was going to be good heading into the season. That was a trendy pick by national NBA pundits. But they're starting to separate themselves a little bit. And you got destroyed by Carl Anthony Towns in crunch time of that game in the fourth quarter. Cat took over. You have to go up against Nikola Jokic on Friday night. And Guy's a tough guard and has been playing better defense. But offensively, he's going to be extremely tough to stop. So now, again, you're without Marvin. You had Miles have an uptick in minutes. You saw MKG get the start last night. So that was cool to see MKG get back in the starting role. But defensively, you're going to have to play a lot better. That's 119 points each to the Pelicans and the Jazz, and now it's 121 to the Timberwolves after a 35-point fourth quarter. And the T-Wolves scored 31 in each the first and the second quarter. The Hornets just happened to outscore them in the first half. It was close in the third quarter, and then the fourth quarter happened, and again, it was 35-18. to Got up to the 20-point mark. So the fourth quarter happened, and the Hornets, you thought maybe, okay, we're going to get another close game. Hopefully they can continue to break away from that trend that you see of them losing every single close game, every single one-possession game. They've had a couple this season. And you thought, hopefully, at least, Minnesota, that could be another time that you could separate yourself from that stat. But they didn't even give themselves an opportunity to be in a close game last night in that fourth quarter. So you can take away the positives. There was a lot of good basketball played last night, but that's the most frustrating part, is that there was good basketball played last night until the quarter that really mattered. We'll take one more break. We'll be back with more here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember to keep tweeting in your questions to us. We'd be happy to answer those on air. So stick around. We'll take one more break, and we'll be back with more on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. And I, I have plenty of hurricane snacks. Went out and bought some Chex Mix. <laughs> yeah. Which What kind of Chex Mix? This savory. Matters. It was a savory Chex Mix. There's you're a, an, a lot you're, of cheese going on in that Chex oh, Mix. You're an expert on Chex Mix, correct? Right? Well, I, just I'm, trail mix. I'm very particular about my trail mix. I'm what not as particular, particular about, about my Chex, Chex Mix. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast.
Welcome back to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Walker Mail going solo again today. Maybe we'll see an appearance from Doug, but we should get everybody back together next week when we do that week worth of shows. So hopefully Nada and Doug will be able to join me. Continuing to look at this Timberwolves game that happened last night, maybe just some leftovers from the, some of the stuff that I left out. One thing Malik Monk talked about him and Miles Bridges. I believe we did that show on Tuesday where we were discussing the player development side, and Miles continues to look very good, by the way. Did a lot of good things against the Timberwolves. Miles was four of nine from the field. Hit a couple threes again. I mean, he's really having it going pretty well right now from beyond the arc. So that's multiple threes I think he's hit in the last three games. So Miles Bridges has looked really good. And then we talk about Malik Monk. Malik, we, we mentioned that one play earlier on Robert Covington where he had a nice shake and bake getting to the basket, going to the left side, and finishing with some contention up there close to the rim. And goes three of six. You know, didn't hit a shot from beyond the arc, but four of four from the free throw line. But overall, not nothing crazy impressive from Malik. I mean, he only had ten points. But the one thing I think you did see from Malik was he did play better defense. He really focused on that end of the floor. And Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose, not the best game in the world, and he had been doing very well for Minnesota this season. You look at what Derrick Rose did yesterday. Three of six from the field for six points in 23 possessions. And Malik held him to just one three-point attempt. So that is something that we asked him to do, right? As fans, you want him to do it just so we can stay out on the court more. That's what Steve Clifford asked him to do. That's what Borrego is asking him to do. And at least you saw some real effort on that end of the floor last night. So Malik Monk actually giving it to you on the defensive end, more so than the offensive end. I don't know if we can really say that for the most part. I don't, I don't know how many times we can say that for Malik Monk when we've seen him play games, but Malik, he, he put a concerted effort out there and did a pretty good job. So there's something that we can look forward to at least. When we're taking the positives away, it's tough sometimes when you blow a game like that. Not necessarily that they blew it, but they didn't give themselves a chance to win after Minnesota really separated themselves in that fourth quarter. But at least Malik gave you something there. At least he was okay. And there were some other things to take away as positives as well. All right, thanks for listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you with the last show of the week tomorrow, once again, to preview the Denver Nuggets game.